This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Jay Rich. You can follow me on Twitter at your boy, Jay Rich. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast feed if you're not already, because there's a lot of dope stuff that we are dropping each and every week from each and every one of our creators. Because of the reception last week to the wide receiver show, I will be talking about quarterbacks this week that I believe are a little bit undervalued. I have pretty much all of their book lines, rushing yards, a little spotty, but for the guys that we know will rush a lot, I have numbers for those guys and we will discuss all of that and see who is overvalued, who's a little bit undervalued based off of projections on DraftKings and compare that to underdog just like we did last week. And as well, I do have a couple of updates on the wide receiver front because there was some small changes that I think are a little bit notable based off what we talked about last week. So let's dive into all of that right now. So first off, I do have to thank everyone again for the reception from last week's show. It made me want to do this quarterback show, and I have them basically in five tiers right now. But I did want to go back and revisit the wide receiver show. If you didn't listen to that one, that was last week's show where I talked about a little bit of undervalued wide receivers. And one of those players who was undervalued to me was Chris Godwin. I had his projection at 800 yards, and it's already been bumped up to 825 yards. And so another guy that I talked about a little bit undervalued in the market right now, and as well, the other one that I wanted to talk about was Brandon Ayuk. He was a guy who I didn't have the numbers for. They weren't fully out on DraftKings yet, but now they are out. 775 yards, four and a half touchdowns. I believe it was 60 and a half receptions. They have him in a pretty modest spot. And like a lot of these guys in San Francisco, we don't know who the guy is going to be. We know they're all going to get work. We know that Brock Purdy is going to be the starter, which is great for us. But even still, we're not 100% sure as to who the guy is going to be. We'll see, but I think it's a pretty modest spot. He was in that Gabe Davis tier, you know, towards the end where it's a little bit of uncertainty, but definitely has some boom potential. So I think there's a lot of good things for Iuke in 2023. But Chris Godwin, another guy who just perennially undervalued this Bucks offense for everything it's not, for everything we're not projecting it to be, it really feels like it could be the same situation as Seattle last season. Now, I'm not going to say it's going to be the same outcome as Seattle last season because obviously Geno Smith was phenomenal and earned and deserved a contract extension for the Seahawks. But when you talk about a poor quarterback situation with great talent like a Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, the biggest fear was who's going to play quarterback and how are they going to perform? Because Geno Smith was still a bust and Drew Locke was nothing that we wanted at quarterback. So you have the same situation with Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask and potentially a Carson Wentz lingering that we could see 
better than expected quarterback play or at least better volume than we were hoping for in Tampa. So I wouldn't fade those guys entirely like I mentioned last week. And I just wanted to mention that Chris Godwin is moving up. So if you don't have any Chris Godwin, he is a guy who is still moving up on the books. And Brandon Ayuk fell in about that tier five of wide receivers with situations that we think could be a little bit boom bust with Mike Williams and some of those other guys. So I did want to point that out to you because he is a guy that I was waiting for because we expect very high things from Ayuk. His ADP is probably a little bit too high right now, but it's not too bad. It's not too bad. If you're taking him right now, it's not terrible, but I did want to mention that. So let's dive into the quarterbacks because this is really, really interesting. And I, I'm not even going to talk about the worst guy on this list because he is just absurdly low, but I basically have the quarterbacks in four tiers and I could have tiered them a little bit further. But, you know, when you look at the point breakdown, it's not all that crazy. And so at the very, very top, because this is underdog scoring, so the big caveat here, it's not really a caveat, it's just the scoring, is it's four point per passing touchdown. So that really hurts some of the prolific passers and obviously adds a element for the rushing quarterbacks. So QB1 is Josh Allen. QB1 is Josh Allen. He's 20 points higher than Jalen Hurts right now. And, you know, honestly, if I really wanted to tier it further, I could have just had Allen and Hurts in their own tier because I have them for 371 points for Allen and Jalen Hurts 351 points. That's 4,350 yards for Allen, 32 and a half touchdowns, 13 interceptions, sneaky high for Allen. But that volume, he does throw quite a few picks, 550 yards and six and a half touchdowns versus Hurts. 3,700 yards, 22 and a half touchdowns, eight and a half picks, 700 rushing yards, and 10 rushing touchdowns. Good for the top two quarterbacks on underdog right now. And they're drafted as QB2 and QB3. Patrick Mahomes, still QB1. I get it. It's fine. But currently, based off the scoring and based off the projections on DraftKings, he is a pretty distant QB3. You know, like he's really, he's kind of close to Hurts. But he ain't that close to Josh Allen, unfortunately. He's a lot closer to Lamar Jackson, who's right below him, and then Joe Burrow right below him. Now, obviously, Joe Burrow does have the calf injury. The good thing about Burrow right now, actually, is that the books haven't pulled his lines. So I think if you were just to say, what is a good indicator that Burrow will be back for week one? It's probably the fact that all of his season-long numbers are still up and they haven't adjusted them. Because if they adjusted them, that tells you there is fear of missed games. There's fear of liability from the books on the unders. And when Joe Burrow is at 44-25 passing yards, 33.5 touchdowns, and 12.5 picks, that's a pretty good sign that he will be back and on the field for week one. But that was basically your tier one of quarterbacks. Again, I could have kind of separated Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts a little bit. Those are kind of the clear one, two separated by 20 points. And then you have Patrick Mahomes just below them. But I did want to put in Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow in there. These are the only guys that were projected for over 300 points, simply based off their passing yards, touchdowns, interceptions, rushing yards, and rushing touchdowns. Now, this doesn't incorporate any rushing yards for Patrick Mahomes, but I did incorporate an element of rushing touchdowns because we know they will rush for touchdowns, or at least some of them will rush for touchdowns. Joe Burrow last season had five, Patrick Mahomes had four, so that was factored in, and I kind of gave a little bit of a bump there, so they're not falling too far behind the Allen, the Hurts, the Lamar, who actually have rushing yard projections of six and a half for Allen, 10 for Jalen Hurts, it's nine and a half, heavily juiced to the over, and Lamar Jackson at five and a half with about even money to both sides. So that is your tier one. In my opinion, all of these guys are great picks. And like I mentioned, these are all the same guys that are in the top five for DraftKings and underdog. So not a whole lot of discussion there. However you want to go, it seems like a pretty good bet. You know, you scale down a bit. It's kind of telling us that Allen is the best value 
based off the top tier. And in my opinion, he is. I still believe that MVP Allen is coming at some point. And then you look at Joe Burrow potentially, but the point difference is pretty substantial. So I wouldn't say that he's necessarily a value. But if he slips to that Justin Fields range, which he kind of is right now, Joe Burrow at 45, Fields at 49.6, there is a pretty decent gap in terms of points, about 30 points right now, which is over 10% of Justin Fields' total projection differentiating between the two. But I think we all know that Fields has a lot of upside, so I don't necessarily hate his ADP around Burrow. And especially when we're talking about Burrow, who isn't even healthy right now. So that's your tier one, Allen, Hurts, Mahomes, Jackson, Burrow in that order. So let's get into tier two now. And as I mentioned, Justin Fields is at the top of tier two, 286.57 points, followed by Trevor Lawrence, Daniel Jones, Justin Herbert, Kirk Cousins, and the surprise for me, Aaron Rodgers. Now, obviously, these are six very different quarterbacks. And in terms of their average draft position, very different as well. You have Fields, Lawrence, and Herbert, who are between 49 and 67. Then you have Jones, Kirk Cousins, and Aaron Rodgers, who are between 112 and 125. So very different overall. But when you actually look at these players, especially talking about Trevor Lawrence, Daniel Jones, Justin Herbert, and Kirk Cousins, they are separated by four points total. Now, let me say that again. Four points total based off of these projections. And so that's where you look at these guys and you say, how is Trevor Lawrence so much higher than Daniel Jones? And so that's one of the craziest parts. It's like you literally have these quarterbacks that ADPs are all over the place. I get why you want a Lawrence. I get why you want a Herbert. We know the ceilings are very high. But Daniel Jones is literally projected for more points than Herbert right now. And I still believe Herbert has a massive ceiling. But you kind of want Daniel Jones because the value is telling you that you should be targeting Daniel Jones, Kirk Cousins, or Aaron Rodgers. And now, depending how you feel about Aaron Rodgers, he can maybe be bumped down a tier. But if this is the kind of tier at quarterback you're looking at, QB 6 through 11 are looking pretty good right now. You have Fields kind of in the tier of his own within this little spot. I would probably take him first, but he is very high in ADP at just under 50. When you can get a Daniel Jones like six rounds later, that's a massive value and probably something that we should be taking advantage of in some of these underdog drafts. And so that's why I wanted to kind of point this out because it's crazy. So let's go through the numbers themselves. And this is where I was kind of concerned about Fields. And, you know, people say I bash Fields, whatever. Like, I get it. But... I'm not the only one telling you that he needs to be much improved as a passer to be a tier one guy. But even still, and I want to point this out, he's still QB6 on DraftKings, which means he's not being overrated right now. Now, the ADP may be a little bit high, but I wouldn't say he's being drastically overrated because we know the ceiling is definitely there for Justin Fields. And so the biggest thing is obviously the passing yards, 2,850 and a half. That's fine. 18 touchdowns, though. Pretty solid. If he threw 18 touchdowns, 19 touchdowns, 20 touchdowns, we should be pretty happy with that. 10 and a half picks, 825 and a half rushing yards, six and a half touchdowns. Again, good for QB6. And I did want to point out the rushing yards because there may be people out there who believe, you know, Justin Fields is going to regress in the rushing department. He can't, you know, run for all these yards again. When I was looking at Lamar Jackson when he ran for 1,100 yards, it was actually pretty surprising to me that he ran for another 850 the following season, or it was like 900 yards the following season. So he only dropped about 200 yards overall after his big MVP year where he ran a ton. And so we shouldn't just expect 
this massive drop off from Justin Fields. And some people may be projecting that a little bit because they say, how sustainable is that a thousand yards? Well, maybe not sustainable, but it doesn't mean he's going to absolutely fall off a cliff either. And on top of that, we know that the ceiling is there for a Justin Fields. So when you look at the data and you say, what are his ranges of outcomes? I think the 825 is a pretty fair number. And I don't know if I would go under but at the same time, the over we know is going to be predicated on health, and it's a tough bet for a guy who did miss some time last year, but again, still ran for over a 1,000 yards. So we know the ceiling can be there, especially when you talk about his rushing touchdowns. We know the ceiling can be there for those as well. So I really like Justin Fields, and again, if he can progress as a passer to the 3,200-yard mark, the 20-touchdown mark, he would be way higher in these rankings, and he'd be looking much more like Lamar Jackson. 3,500 yards, 23 and a half touchdowns, nine and a half picks, 725 rushing yards, or a little bit less, one touchdown less, and he's all the way up at 320 points, up above Joe Burrow, just behind Patrick Mahomes. So that's kind of the step forward we need to see from Fields. We need to see a little bit more passing, a little bit, little bit of progression as a passer, and maybe dial back the rushing a little bit, and hopefully, obviously, health for the full year would be great as well. Now let's get into Trevor Lawrence, who is QB8 on Underdog right now, QB7 on DraftKings, but was QB12 in terms of points per game in 2022. I struggle with Lawrence a lot. I think that Lawrence is going to be great this season, and it's just such a weird spot. If there was a QB dead zone, I would say Trevor Lawrence just by himself is the QB dead zone. 67 overall ADP. There's not really any other quarterbacks near him. He's kind of just by himself here at 67. And you kind of want to take him because you know what the upside is. And again, I have him right behind Fields and just ahead of Daniel Jones based off these DraftKings numbers. But I mean, would you rather just wait and say, well, you know, I'd rather just take a Daniel Jones who can be much better as a passer in 2023. Or you want to target Justin Herbert, who will be healthy this year and go and get Justin Herbert, who is currently QB7. DraftKings has him at QB9 and was QB15 in a wretched season from him last year. Like, Everyone talks about how bad Justin Herbert was last year. He was QB 15 in points per game. And I'm not saying QB 15 is great because it's really not. It's really not great. It, it, it could be a lot better. I mean, heaven forbid, Geno Smith was QB 8 in points per game. So Justin Herbert at 15 is not great. But we all thought the season for Herbert was an absolute disaster. He was hurt. He wasn't very good. The offensive line was banged up. The defense was bad. The team totally collapsed. Everyone is back. They drafted Quentin Johnson. They brought in Kellen Moore. We fully expect a much better version of Justin Herbert in 2023. And I think the lines show that 4,400 yards, 29 and a half touchdowns, 10 and a half picks, zero rushing incorporated with Justin Herbert right now. Zero. Nada. And he's still up here as QB9 per DraftKings. And if you did incorporate some rushing, he could be up there with the fields, even up there with the burrow if you give him some rushing touchdowns, which we know that he can do. He just didn't have any last season. Now let's get into Daniel Jones, who I believe is a true value. I mean, QB14 on underdog right now, but DraftKings has him around QB8. Now that is with some rushing added on. Five and a half touchdowns, 575 yards. Boom right there with Herbert and Lawrence and Fields. So I think it's all kind of there for a Daniel Jones to have a great season 2023. We know they brought in weapons. We know that Dayball is a great coach and will find ways to help Daniel Jones. Again, he's not the perfect quarterback. He's not going to be a guy who slings it like crazy, but they have Saquon Barkley back, which is massive for Daniel Jones. They added weapons and they continue to add weapons each and every week. And I think 
only more so we'll see an expanded version of what we saw last season. It was a very simple dink and dunk playbook, but second year in the system under Brian Dable's tutelage, we may see an even better version of Daniel Jones in 2023. And I think these baseline numbers for what we're seeing, 3,300 yards, 17 and a half passing touchdowns, like they're not going to blow you away, but with the rushing floor that we suspect, and he had 700 yards last year and seven touchdowns, drafting has him at 575 and five and a half, as I mentioned earlier earlier, it's a pretty good spot to take a quarterback like Daniel Jones. And you have so many stacking opportunities and he's great. Even as an Island quarterback, you don't have to always stack your quarterbacks. If you just want to hunt value, Daniel Jones could be a massive value. He has the contract extension. So I think there's a lot of good things going for Daniel Jones in 23. And I think he truly is a value. Like if he outscored Justin Herbert again, we wouldn't be shocked. If he outscored Trevor Lawrence again, we wouldn't be shocked. If he outscored Justin Fields, we might be a little bit shocked because Fields has a great rushing floor as well. But we would not be entirely shocked if he was a top 10 quarterback again. And so when his ADP is 114 right now, an underdog, and Justin Herbert's is 54.6, How are we not saying, why are we taking Herbert, especially if you can't achieve the stack with those Chargers? I still believe there's a massive ceiling for Herbert and for Trevor Lawrence, but it's very difficult to not look at Daniel Jones and and Kirk Cousins, who I'll get to next, as values. Now, Kirk Cousins is QB 13 on underdog. Drafting has him at QB 10, and in points per game, he was QB 11 last season. So, I mean, pretty good baseline. Kirk, you know what you're getting with him. You're probably getting 4,300 yards, close to 30 touchdowns. He'll throw some picks and maybe he'll run for a few touchdowns as well, which is great. I mean, you're going to be happy with Kirk. He's been very consistent. He's going to have Jefferson. Addison should be on the field who they drafted in the first round. They have KJ Osborne. We expect massive things from TJ Hawkinson 2023. I think all signs are pointing towards another big year for Kirk Cousins and sneakily getting rid of Dalvin Cook. And, you know, while they're committed to Madison, we also could see even more potentially passing volume for Kirk Cousins, but we'll see. He threw the ball like 650 times last year, 630 times. So I don't expect it to go crazy. But again, with Cook being gone, less of a financial commitment to that running back. And Madison is obviously a much lower cap hit. That's why they got rid of him. But Kirk is a fine value. Rodgers is kind of sneaky, though. Everyone wants to poo-poo on Rodgers because he was QB 22 in terms of points per game last season. He wasn't very good. Now he's on the Jets, and he's QB 16 right now on underdog at 125, kind of in a block with a few other guys. But DraftKings is pretty bullish on him. And it's not necessarily because I think they believe he's got a massive ceiling. But if you're drafting a quarterback to have a stable floor as maybe a QB2 or a guy you're going to rotate at quarterback each and every week in those best ball leagues... I think he's a guy who is very viable. And I talked about this when I talked about Devontae Adams, when I talked about Mike Evans, talked about Chris Godwin and why their values, because what the books believe is that Aaron Rodgers is a floor raiser. He's a guy who will get a lot out of this Jets offense. And while we're not necessarily sold on the fact that the Jets will be good in 23, I think we all kind of expect Aaron Rodgers to be relatively good no matter what. They're going to throw the ball, and I'm sure they'll run the ball a lot as well. That system has been a pretty complimentary system, but great in play action. If Garrett Wilson is healthy, which we kind of expect him to be, they have Alan Lazard, Corey Davis, and we're hearing about even more weapons. Tyler Conklin, name a guy on the Jets. They're all getting hyped up right now. I'm sure Mikko Harbin will have his long bombs from Aaron Rodgers. And more importantly, Aaron Rodgers seems motivated. And if a motivated Aaron Rodgers is QB 16 on underdog, I think it's a pretty good bet, and truly, I think he believes to be in a Fields, Lawrence, Jones, Herbert, Cousins tier, because this is also the same quarterback that in the previous two seasons prior to last season was QB1 in the efficiency back-to-back seasons and won MVPs. So, I mean, we all know what the ceiling is for Rodgers. It's just, can he get it done again? 
that's where I'm not so sure. But the projections and what the books are telling us is that they believe that Aaron Rodgers is a very safe, stable quarterback and has a great floor. And I think we should be paying attention to that when we're drafting because the QB 16, it's probably just a little bit too low. And we should be a little bit more bullish on Rodgers and get a few more shares because he's probably going to have a higher floor than people are anticipating right now in 2023. So that kind of wraps up tier two. I don't know if we have to go any more deep into it. But we do have Jones, Cousins, and Rodgers as kind of the value in that tier. Um, and I think, you know, Fields is properly valued. I think you could maybe say that Trevor Lawrence is in a weird spot. Like, I just don't really want him at his ADP at 67. And then if you want to take a shot on Herbert, I obviously, you know, I've talked about this. I believe that Herbert has QB1 ceiling. If everything goes right, if Kellen Moore plays this fast-paced offense that we kind of expect that we've seen from Dak Prescott over the past few seasons, I think there could be a lot of good things for Herbert in 23. But yeah, I would definitely pay attention to Rodgers because he's a little bit underrated. And I think that Daniel Jones as well at QB14 is a little bit underrated as well. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So let's get into tier three now, because this one's kind of interesting. There's one name that is really far down this list that I was not hoping to see down there. And I will get to him in a minute. But Dak Prescott did not make my tier two, unfortunately. He was way too close to the other guys behind him. That is Geno Smith and Russell Wilson. So Dak Prescott came in at 4,000 and a half passing yards, 26 and a half touchdowns, 12 and a half picks, which is actually down. They opened up at 13 and a half and have been bet down pretty heavily. And then once again, they put it up at 12 and a half and it's been bet down again. So there is still juice to the under on that. People seem to be buying into the fact that Dak is not going to be throwing so many picks in 2023. But right behind him is Geno Smith, who is QB 15 on underdog, QB 13 on DraftKings, but QB 8 in points per game last year. Dak QB 12 on underdog, 12 on DK, and 13 in terms of points per game last season. But again, Geno Smith, 3,900 yards, 26 and a half touchdowns, just like Dak, one fewer pick, and then again, projected for one rushing touchdown right now. They basically fell right in the same spot, so not too different for those two guys. One less pick for Geno Smith and a few less passing yards for those two guys, but right around the same spot. I think both those guys are fine values. You know, QB 12, QB 15, not a whole lot of difference, only separated by a few spots in terms of ADP. But the guys below them, and especially this quarterback in Russell Wilson, surprisingly, DK is kind of in on Russ in 2023. 3650 in terms of passing yards, which is a little low, but again, not so bad. 24 and a half passing touchdowns and 10 and a half interceptions, but he does have three rushing touchdowns right now. At least that's what he did last season. So does he do that again? We'll see, but it wouldn't bump him down too far, at least out of the tier. Even if I put him all the way down to zero, he would still be in the same tier because the bottom of that tier is about 20 points less. So again, 18 points difference, not going to bump you down too far. We'll just bump you down a few spots, but at QB 18, 
Not a bad value overall. Not terrible. I think he's in a pretty good spot. And I think if you're drafting Russ right now to be, you know, a rotational quarterback in your best ball leagues, it's pretty good. And then you get back to the next quarterback who's right in front of him, Jared Goff, who's QB 17 on underdog right now, QB 15 on terms of DK and 14 in terms of points per game last season. 4,000 passing yards, 25 and a half touchdowns, 11 and a half picks, but no rushing touchdowns. So maybe that could change for Goff in 23. But we know he's not an overly mobile quarterback. So touchdowns in terms of rushing for Jared Goff, probably not going to be there for him. But you never know. Maybe he can sneak one in, surprise us. We shall see. But 131 ADP right next to Tua Tugavailoa, who's up at 92 and QB 10 on underdog. I'd be really curious if people think about this because this is where I really struggle seeing DK's rankings is that you see here, Tua's QB 10 right now in terms of underdog rankings, like I said, but QB 16 on DK and then QB 10 in terms of points per game last season. 3,850 yards, 26 and a half touchdowns, 10 and a half picks. No rushing component for Tua and heaven forbid, please don't run Tua. We we don't want to see you run at all because we don't want to see you get hit. But then right behind him, as well, who's even higher in ADP, Deshaun Watson, who, man, I have really high hopes for Deshaun Watson. I always go back to last season, he played a full year, he led the league in passing, and that was on the Houston Texans, and they are terrible. Now he's on the Browns, QB9 in terms of underdog ADP, 84.2, but QB17 on DraftKings, QB21 in points per game last season, 3,650 yards, 25 and a half touchdowns, 11 and a half picks, one rushing touchdown. Not terrible, but I think we all expect a lot of bigger things for Watson because Watson needs to be good in 23. This guy is getting paid a lot of money, and if he only throws for like 3,700 yards and 26 touchdowns, that is not good enough. Not good enough for Watson, and especially if the rushing component isn't quite there, that's where you know we need a little bit from the rushing from him. We need 300, 400 yards to really validate that ADP because based off the passing numbers right now, he's obviously not going to pass for more yards than two, or at least we won't project that today because we know what two is going to do. He's going to throw the ball to Hill, throw the ball to Waddle, and there's 3,000 passing yards right there, no problem, <laughs> versus Amari Cooper, DPJ, Elijah Moore, and, and we'll see what we get from the running backs. But Watson definitely needs to step it up in terms of his passing prowess to get to the likes of a Goff, to a Tua, and even, you know, Russell Wilson is kind of where he's living right now. Geno Smith, Dak Prescott, all are much more prolific passers. And the books, more importantly, believe that they can get it done and have higher floors than Watson in 2023. So for me, Watson is a bit of a fade right now, not because I don't like him, not because I don't think they won't pass more in 2023, but his ADP is so high. And I talked about Trevor Lawrence and how he's kind of in a weird dead zone, like the next closest quarterback to him in terms of down ADP is Deshaun Watson. And so like you see the difference between those two guys and you say, wow, like that's a pretty big drop off. But it's more so to point out that the quarterbacks around that area just are not great values because you have Trevor Lawrence, 67, Deshaun Watson, 84.2, who is a massive tear down. And then Tua Tagovailoa, who we love, who we think has a super high ceiling. But of course, the injury concerns have to make us be cautious and not draft him too high. So I still think you can go in on Tua because the stack potential and upside of Tua is great. But Watson, I just don't know if it's quite there. You're kind of banking on him being really good. And I think based off what we're seeing from him right now, I would probably rather bet on a Jared Goff a little bit later or even a Dak Prescott who goes behind him later, who, again, the pace of play may be a little bit slower, 
But if the efficiency is good from Dak, he'll be a fine passer. And he's also a guy who's ran plenty in his career. And maybe we see a little bit of uptick in rushing for Dak in 2023. Not suspecting a lot, but if he does a little bit of something, he could be a guy who pushes into tier two like Watson can, but has a much higher, much more stable passing floor. And all the projection systems we're looking at here like Dak based off where he's valued. I think that's the bigger point is that you have Watson who the community loves and thinks he's got a super high ceiling, but the books think the risk could be pretty high for Watson in 2023. And they're not willing to put these high numbers and high totals out there for Watson because they think it's going to get hammered a lot lower. And so that's kind of the big takeaway here is we're talking about risk. Some of the riskiest picks right now, it seems based off what we're talking about and discussing is a Trevor Lawrence at QB8 pick 67 on underdog and then uh, talk about a Tua, which we know the risks, but the upside is there. And a Watson at 84.2 in the same tier as a Goff at 131, as a Russell Wilson at 134, who the books believe have a similar ceiling for mix. And the upside is similar for all those guys. So I think it's very interesting to see this kind of stuff because no one's talking about how Watson might be very overvalued in fantasy football right now. Everyone wants to draft him. Everyone thinks the upside's still there for him because he's young, but Maybe he's just not the same guy. Like, it, that's fully possible. And I think that's the scary part with the Watson is that if he's not the same guy, we are getting shafted in terms of value right now. And I think it's the exact opposite with the quarterback right behind him, Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford right now, QB 21, 153.7 ADP on underdog right now. QB 21 is his ranking, which is so low. DraftKings has him at QB 18. Last year, he was QB 26 in terms of points per game. But, and this is important, the floor, or at least the flo- the number that they have out there for Matthew Stafford, 3,800 passing yards, 22 and a half touchdowns, and 11 and a half interceptions with one rushing touchdown. Very similar to Watson with more yards, less touchdowns, same interceptions, and one rushing touchdown. So when you compare these two players, you say, okay, Watson was awful last year. We openly admit that he wasn't very good. He was 21 in points per game. Stafford was 26. I mean, what's the difference? They're both bad. But if you talk about a player who we know has an extremely high ceiling because we saw it in 2021 in Matthew Stafford when he was like QB8 on the season, when he was healthy and playing very, very well. Cooper Cup is still there. And I think more importantly, That defense for the Rams is god-awful. Absolutely terrible. Rookies, Aaron Donald, and that's it. There's nobody there. And when you have the ability to take a Stafford at 153, knowing that the only expensive guy up there to stack is Cooper Cup, who you basically take in the first round, and then you wait and you take Stafford. Like, there's no... The opportunity cost, whether you get Stafford or not, is almost nothing because Cooper Cup's still going to be great. He's still going to be heavily targeted. But is the risk of a Stafford sitting out or not playing in Week 17 any more worse than the potential risk of Deshaun Watson actually not being good? I don't really think so. And I kind of agree with DraftKings here from that premise of like, if you're talking about ranges of outcomes and players who could be good or bad... I don't know if I view Watson and Stafford all that differently. Now, of course, Stafford could get injured, which we have seen over the years. Obviously, we saw that last season. But if I'm taking a shot 
at 84, I need my quarterback to be good. If I'm taking Watson over Tua, he better be as good as Tua when he's on the field because he hasn't been as good as Tua as descriptive by the QB 10 with Tua and QB 21 with Watson. Again, new system, hasn't played football in a long time. I get all of that. Should be better in 23, but it's a massive leap forward to say Watson's going to be a top 10 quarterback, or in this case, in terms of underdog ADP, a top nine quarterback in 2023. I just, I can't really get on board with that. As much as I want to crap on Dak and say that I don't really like Dak, I think he's no good, and I want to sell him in Dynasty, I feel very good about the floor for Dak Prescott. I feel very safe about what I'm getting from Dak Prescott next season. Now, the weapons we'll see with Gallup and Cooks and uh, C.D. Lamb. I, I mean, I like them. I don't think they're as good as when they had Cooper and Gallup and C.D., but I still believe that they're going to figure it out in Dallas. But you talk about Watson and Cleveland, like bad weather games last season. I get that. And it's just, there's so many different things that come into play when you're talking about Watson. And I just don't think there's enough talk about what the risk is taking him at QB nine versus a Stafford at QB one versus a golf at QB 17 versus a Russell Wilson at QB 18, Geno Smith, QB 15, Dak Prescott, QB 12. When like you really think about it, I love the upside of Watson if everything hits, but in a lot of ways, I do feel safer about a Dak, a Geno, maybe not a Russ, but definitely a Goff, definitely a Tua, and potentially at cost, a Stafford, and who's right below him in this tier, Derek Carr, right? QB 19, drafting has him at 19, he was QB 20 in points per game, 3,800 passing yards, 23 and a half touchdowns, 11 and a half picks, no touchdowns for Derek Carr last season in terms of rushing. Don't expect it in 2023 either. Maybe one or two here or there, but again, doesn't move the needle too much overall. And again, the cost, 149, almost outside the top 150 in ADP. QB 19, like the, the cost of these guys is so low and I still think they have the big play potential. Derek Carr is one of the best deep ball throwers in the NFL. Matthew Stafford, we know, can be a gunslinger and can keep his team in ballgames. Watson, we hope he can do that, but we haven't seen it in over three years. We've seen Tua come back in games. We've seen Jared Goff come back in games. We've seen Geno Smith compete at a very high level and be super efficient. We've seen Dak Prescott duel with some of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. Yes, he may throw picks sometimes, but we believe in the volume. We believe in the team, believe in the talent. I don't know how much I believe in Cleveland to be this like offense that has a QB9. And, and the more I look at it, the more I discuss it, the more I, I talk about it, I just... I don't know what to do with Watson. And I just think people need to be very careful. And I'm not saying we should be selling, but if I'm being honest, if he pops like really early, I may consider selling him in Dynasty. Because as much as I love him, like I just don't know if I want to take on that risk of him not being good. I just don't know if I want to take that risk. And and all these quarterbacks are risky. Like the only one who's kind of safe is Dak. But again, the long term, he's older, all that kind of stuff. But like, if you're just talking about this season, I don't know if he's any less risky than any of the guys I've mentioned. So this tier kind of closes out Dak, Gino, Russ, who I sort of talked about. I don't, I don't know what to do with Russ in 23. Like Sean Payton should make him better. I believe in Judy. DraftKings is a little bit higher on him than most. QB 14. Again, he's 134 right with Goff. I'd probably take Goff ahead of him, especially in best ball because I think the ceiling is much higher for Goff. But Russ could be fine. If Russ returns to form or he's bad, I mean, I think no one would be shocked if he was bad, but I think people will be a little bit surprised if Watson was bad in 2023. And I think that's the difference is the tier of quarterbacks that he's in company with we should be a little bit not feeling so great about that. We we, we probably shouldn't feel too comfortable 
if Watson is your QB1 or uh, you want him to be a high-end QB2 in Dynasty or Redraft this season because the company he's in, much lower ADPs, and I think the range of outcomes based off what we're seeing is very similar. These guys aren't separated by a lot. This whole tier, top of the tier is Dak Prescott, 247 points. Bottom of the tier is Derek Carr, 223. Everyone else is in between. So it's it's really not a lot. And and even still, Watson, he's kind of towards the bottom. He's not up there with Gino. He's not up there with Russ. not up there with Goff. Again, it's not a lot of points difference, but it's it's a little bit of a difference. It's enough for me to say, like, am I really paying that price for a Watson? Ugh. I don't know. I don't know. It scares me a little bit. It scares me a little bit. And seeing these numbers makes me even less confident in what we've seen from Watson and what his range of outcomes are. But this is where, you know, when I crap on a player like Justin Fields and his range of outcomes, I mean, the passing can't get much worse. And the rushing's probably going to be there. So you should feel pretty good about him. But if the passing is kind of what it was for Watson, ugh, like he could be not, not so good. So that is tier three. Um, you know, some upside, but then a lot of question marks around some of these guys. And and I think, you know, we, we like a few of them in, in a Gino, in a Goff, in a, in a Dak, in Tua to some degree. It's just the health is a bit of a question. But I, I really don't believe that Stafford, Carr, Russ, even to some extent, are much different. And the cost is a lot lower for some of these guys, almost 50 picks. And in some cases, 50 picks in terms of ADP when you're going from a Watson all the way down to some of these other options. And DraftKings seems to view them very similarly. Now, again, the rushing component isn't fully baked in here, but just in terms of passing, that drives a lot in fantasy, especially when you're talking about stacking and upside. You want your quarterback to be able to pass, especially for all of these guys. They will be pass first guys and guys that we don't expect a lot from on the ground. So let's get into the last tier, or technically the second last tier, because the last tier is so bad. But Kenny Pickett, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Ryan Tannehill, Mac Jones, and Jordan Love. 201 points for Kenny Pickett, 191 for Jordan Love. Very little separating these guys. A lot of question marks, right? I think Kenny Pickett's the most interesting. QB 23 on underdog right now. QB 20 on DraftKings. So again, the big thing with Pickett is the offensive line is better. The weapons are the same. Second year in the system, think he can improve. How much better? We'll see. 3,300 passing yards, 18.5 touchdowns, 11.5 picks, but he did slate it for three rushing touchdowns, which I think he can absolutely do again. He was great on the ground around the goal line last season, and I think he can score some touchdowns for us in fantasy football. You have Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, both at 3,400.5 passing yards. They do have Bryce Young for one more touchdown, and then I put them in for 11.5 picks because they don't have pick numbers right now, but I think they'll be somewhere around there, 10 and a half, 11 and a half, depending on volume. Both those guys will probably be around the same number. Tannehill, though, was a little surprising, right? Because when I did the wide receiver show, we didn't have Tannehill lines. None of them were out for Tannehill. And now we have them, and he's got some of the lowest passing. I think it's not, if not the lowest, it's close to the lowest because Fields is down there. Ritter is, is at the bottom. Fields is next. And then Ryan Tannehill, 3150. I mean, that is not good. For everyone who wants Hopkins and Burks to be viable for fantasy, 3150 is not enough. It's not enough. It's just simply not. 19 and a half touchdowns. I believe I had Tannehill for 21 touchdowns. And I think I had him for like nine or 10 picks. So around the same spot, I have him for two rushing touchdowns right now. Now I mentioned um, in that Titan show that I did talking about the trade and the projections, uh, Tyron Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill did rush for seven touchdowns in back-to-back seasons in 2021 and 2020. 2022, he only had two, but the offensive line was bad. That's not changing. 
for Tennessee this season. It's going to be a little better with Peter Skronsky, but it's not going to be that much better. And we'll see if D-Hop can kind of make things a little bit easier on Ryan Tannehill overall. But yeah, 31.50 was a little bit discouraging based on what we're seeing. QB 28 on underdog right now, which isn't terrible, right? It's not so bad. He's pretty far out there. And then you have on DK right now, QB 23. And in 2020, and then in 2022, he was QB 24. So not a whole lot difference. Kind of the same thing for Mac Jones. Again, Mac Jones, not great. Uh, QB 30 right now, QB 24 on DraftKings based off the guys that we have projected at least because I don't have a Jimmy Garoppolo and a few other guys we don't have numbers for yet. Sam Howell and some, and then obviously the Tampa Bay quarterback, like I talked about. And then Jordan Love is last. Uh, Jordan Love is, they don't expect anything from Jordan Love, which is fine. You know, I mean, it's not terrible. I, QB 22 right now on underdog. They, people do seem to think he's got some upside. He's probably a little bit overvalued based off these numbers. Um, it's funny that oddly enough, both Bryce Young and CJ Stroud have better projections than Jordan Love. 3250 for his passing yards, 21 and a half for his touchdowns and 12 and a half picks with no rushing component because we haven't seen anything from Love, but he can probably run for a touchdown or two. He is a mobile quarterback, but I could say the same about Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. They may run for the end zone once or twice this season, maybe even more than that. We shall see. But this tier is very interesting because you have the young guys. You have a Tannehill who I believe should be in a tier above, but again, the books are not quite there Yet, you have Love, who is surprisingly low in terms of projections, one of the lowest quarterbacks on this list. And then you also have a Mac Jones, who we expect to not do a whole lot. Tannehill, who people have high hopes for. And I, I do believe Kenny Pickett could be higher, but unfortunately, the books aren't so bullish on old Kenny Pickett in 2023. I think the passing yard numbers won't quite be there. And so when you kind of compare some of these players a little bit, like I talked about in Tier 3, their passing yards range from 3650 which was Watson and the lowest of the tier tied with Russell Wilson all the way up to 4,000 getting into this following tier. And this is where you're looking at the passing to really help add to these tiers. 3,400 is the highest for Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. And the lowest is 3,150, which is Ryan Tannehill. So again, not a massive range of outcomes, touchdowns, picks, and a little bit of yards will separate these guys a little bit, but overall DraftKings is telling you like this is how they feel about these quarterbacks. They're all going to be around the same range, similar ranges of outcomes, and not a whole lot different. But of all these guys, they're not necessarily values. Like if you're targeting a Kenny Pickett, I believe that it's probably worth spending a little bit extra to go out and get him over a Bryce Young, a Stroud, a Tannehill. Maybe not a Tannehill because the value is a lot lower. But because we like the weapons in Najee, in Pickens, in Deontay, in Fryermuth, like you, you can build a decent correlation and stack with a Kenny Pickett. You're probably not doing that so much with a Bryce Young, a CJ Stroud. Maybe you could with a Tannehill, with Hopkins and Burks. But again, not a whole lot of stack options. No one's stacking the Patriots. That's, I mean, maybe you can if you want to be super contrarian. And then you have Jordan Love, who again, based off these numbers, is a little bit overvalued. And I talked about this I talked about this as well with Christian Watson, how everyone loves Christian Watson. And again, the QB uncertainty, at least based off the books, is very high. They think the variability for both these guys, and I talked about this on the wide receiver show, that Christian Watson could be great or he could struggle simply because the QB play isn't up to snuff. And that's really what we're talking about is when you want to take a DJ Moore or a Christian Watson, we have to remember that these are still QB dependent positions and the volume could be there. But when Justin Fields is at 2,850 yards and Jordan Love is at 3,250, these guys can only do so much. And so that's the big takeaway here is that these guys can only do so much and they are dependent on their quarterback being good. Now, in the case of Fields, he can obviously run his way to fantasy relevance versus DJ Moore, who can only catch his passes, assuming they are, of course, catchable. But 
And when you start to talk about these guys here in this tier, Pickett is right at the top and I think worth his ADP at QB 23. But Jordan Love at QB 22 is probably a little bit overvalued. Yes, they are in the same tier. But if I was picking a guy, I would take Kenny Pickett because I do believe in the team, um, the surroundings, the sporting cast. And I think there's a lot of things changing for Jordan Love, for the Packers right now that I don't necessarily want to buy in just yet. Maybe next season, maybe in Dynasty, um, I'd be fine with it. But for right now, I think I would happily take a Kenny Pickett over a Jordan Love. Last here, Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter all by himself. 2,600 yards, 15 and a half touchdowns, 10 and a half interceptions. I mean, everyone wants Drake, London, and Kyle Pitts to be good. I want them to be good too. But he is literally 50 points below Jordan Love. 50 points. 600 yards, six touchdowns, less than Jordan Love's projection. And I just talked about Jordan Love is overvalued. Like, they're basically pricing Desmond Ritter as if he is Anthony Richardson. And I'd, and I'd be willing to bet a lot of money Anthony Richardson's projections are higher than Desmond Ritter's. And Anthony Richardson's never played. Now, again, this is, and I'm, talking not, I'm not talking about rushing. I'm talking about passing. Like, his passing numbers will be higher than Desmond Ritter's. That's how, that's how little... DraftKings Sportsbook believes in Desmond Ritter. That is how little. 2,600 passing yards, 15 and a half touchdowns, 10 and a half picks. That is how little. He is so low that he's literally in a tier by himself. Literally in a tier by himself. Like that's how little they think of Desmond Ritter. Now I'm not saying that he can't be better than that because I mean, like I mentioned, the bar is incredibly low. But at QB 29, he's just, he's not there. I would believe Jimmy Garoppolo would probably be ahead of him. Now he does have rushing components that's not factored in here, but it won't be a ton. We know they're going to run the ball a lot. The volume's not really going to be there. The floor ceiling mix just isn't very good for Ritter. If he was in the tier with Tannehill, with Pickett, with Love, I'd say, yeah, we should probably buy into Desmond Ritter because we do believe he can run a little bit and the weapons and supporting cast around him are very good. But if the volume isn't there and the books are like, okay, Desmond Ritter, how many times are you really going to throw the ball? How good are you really? And basically telling us they think he sucks. I'm not trying to say they know everything, but it is a massive difference. Like, most of these tier breaks are like 15, 20 points. Even at the top, the top tier, it's 30 points. Next tier below that, about 15 points. Next tier below that, 22 points. This tier grab is 45 points. That's how different and how much worse they believe Desmond Ritter will be than Jordan Love, than Mac Jones, than Ryan Tannehill, than CJ Stroud, than Bryce Young, than Kenny Pickett. Like, that is striking, and that should tell us a lot. And that's the big takeaway here. As much as I want to believe in Ritter, it is difficult to ignore how bad they think he could be or how low the volume could be in 2023. Whether it's touchdowns, whether it's yards, maybe they're factoring they think he could be replaced with Taylor Heineke, who, you know, we might see that. It's it's a possibility as well. And so that's where I really struggle with Ritter because I was not expecting this. When I actually looked at these numbers, I knew that it was low, but I thought, you know, they would give him a little bit more respect. And they're like, nah, not even worth it. For what? For what? Atlanta's not going to throw the ball. And Raiders not going to be very good. That's basically what they're selling you. And so talking about kind of wholesale, wrap this up a little bit because I have been going a little bit longer than I was hoping for. My biggest values right now based off this ADP would be Daniel Jones probably at like near the top. I would say Kirk Cousins is definitely up there. Aaron Rodgers as well is up there. I believe in a Jared Goff. I kind of believe in a Matthew Stafford. I think Dak Prescott's a fine value as well. And then in the last tier, Kenny Pickett. And 
that's kind of it. I don't know if I would believe too much in Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, maybe a little bit. You know, I, I want to believe they'll be good, but the supporting cast for both those guys is a little, little questionable. We believe in Pickett's supporting cast. If you want to buy Tannehill at ADP, I don't hate it. I think it's a fine spot. Mac Jones stinks, so no point in buying in him. And then overvalued guys, like I kind of mentioned throughout the show, Trevor Lawrence, I believe, is a little bit overvalued. Deshaun Watson, a little bit overvalued based off ADP. And then last but not least, Jordan Love are kind of the three guys I would be fading overall based off these based off these numbers. So that's the show. That's the show. That's the quarterbacks that I believe are a little bit overvalued, a little bit undervalued. Hope you guys gain something from this because for me, this is a fun exercise just looking at how these guys are viewed outside of the fantasy football community, outside of projections, outside of underdog, outside of fantasy pros, ECR. Like it's, it's a different ball game. And while we know that it's a ceiling game in fantasy football, this is a great way to judge how a sports book feels about the floor ceiling mix for every player and why I think this exercise is actually useful overall. But make sure you are tapped into Destination Devi all week long because we have so much great content. More announcements on the way very, very soon. Thank you guys so much for listening to Straight to the Bank. I am your host, Jordan Richards, and I will see you guys in the next episode. <laughs>